Hey, this is not Sarah. <laughs> I am here with Sarah. Yes. Um, this is actually Tara Huff at Trinity. I'm a member of Trinity Lutheran Church. I have the awesome honor of knowing Sarah, our DCE, and this is her podcast. Mm-hmm. And today, Sarah is going to be able to share her story. But before she does, um, just to remind you of what this podcast is about that she started. Remember the Wonders was made to create a sense of community and connection in a time where we can often feel disconnected and alone in the church. It works to connect new and lifelong members to each other through the sharing of their unique and relatable life stories. We encourage our members to seek God and value in their stories, no matter how big or small, referencing 1 Chronicles 16, 12, which I love. Yes. <laughs> um, which talks about remember the wonders he has done. So we are here with Sarah. Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. Yes, I am Sarah, and obviously you've been listening to me talk this whole time, but I decided I should flip the script today, and I should be on the podcast. So I'm Sarah Willis, married to Jeremy Willis, who does the music here at Trinity, which is super cool, and another part of my story that we'll get to in a little bit, that we're both working at the same church, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, How long have I been a member at Trinity? I have technically I've been a member at Trinity for just a few months now but after doing my internship here I've been here for a little bit over a year and it has been a wild ride but in the best way what do I do I am the director of Christian education and what's a director of Christian education great question because we can do 10,000 million different things so I work with youth fifth grade through 12th grade Um, for youth group on Wednesday nights, and that's for middle school and high school. And I also help out with the confirmation program, but I also run the podcast, and I also help out with some of the social media for the church as well, and Sunday school, and wherever else they need me, I'm always there to step it up. That's awesome, and she is. And I just thought of a question as you were saying that. Yes. Do you prefer to be called DCE Sarah or just Sarah or Mrs. Willis or what is your preferred (laughs) title? My preferred title is Sarah but if you're a parent who prefers their children to call people by a title and then a name I'll go by Miss Sarah. It feels super weird for people to come up to me and be like Mrs. Willis and I'm like looking around me saying like who? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know who Mrs. Willis is. Okay. I'm just Sarah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us about why you even created this podcast. And I have to say, I feel like I was a little bit involved in hearing about this as it was being born, which was super fun and exciting because I love people's stories and I've been looking forward to thinking about, wow, why don't we have stories of people in our real lives and at our church? And Mm -hmm. Sarah was thinking all of those things and she actually had a plan to accomplish capturing those stories. So tell us about that, how this all came to be. Exactly. Um, So if you don't know Tara, that stinks. And you should get to know Tara because she is awesome and such a great, fantastic ideas person. And so uh, to start it off, we had to do a signature project for our college completion of internship. And I reached out to Tara and I was like, Tara, like, what do you see our needs being in the church? And she kind of gave me some ideas. And I was like, listen, I've always had this weird passion for podcasts. <laughs> and I've always wanted to have my own podcast or like be on a podcast. But I don't really like 
and know like, how, how to make I, that yeah, dream come true. Yeah, how do I make true? that into my signature project? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Tara was like, here's how we could do it. And I think that it'll be awesome. And I think that it's exactly what Trinity needs. And thus was born. Um, so remember fun. the wonders. But to go on with that, there is a little bit more of kind of like a deeper story to why I think it's so important to share our own stories. So growing up, I grew up in the church, going to church, kind of just like always saw myself as mediocre or average. I would just kind of like going through life. Nothing crazy ever happened to me. Um, I was never incredibly good at anything or stood out in a particular area. Um, I played sports. I was good at school. I mean, I was just kind of like passing through life. You were living the middle schooler dream of not standing out because you (laughs) just could blend in. Is that what you're saying? Precisely. Yes. (laughs) So I was like extremely average in all areas and like not saying that's a bad Uh thing, but that's just kind of like where I was at in my life. And eventually I went off to camp and during camp we had to share our testimonies. And I was like, I'm just this middle class average girl. Like, what do I have to share and to offer? And then it clicked in my head like, hey, what if there is another middle class average girl out there just like me who needs to know that there is also value in her story? And so that's where I found value in sharing my own story as average and as plain Jane as it seemed. I was like, there's somebody else out there just like me who needs to know that they also have value and they also should be empowered to be out there and like you're no less because you don't have a weird crazy face-to-face experience with god like you didn't have a major crisis in your life like you didn't have to battle childhood i don't know earthquakes that swallowed you into the ground right and then you had to overcome that right and that doesn't make god any less in our lives and it Mm -hmm. doesn't make god any greater in other people's lives as well um so fast forward to last year. That's where it really hit me that our stories can make a life difference in somebody else. So kind of hitting to like the meat of everything. Um, Mm, I like the meat. (laughs) Let's get the meat and potatoes of the conversation. (laughs) Yeah. So a few years ago during like my senior year of college, my mom and dad reached out to me and told me that they were going to go through a separation for a short little time. And I was kind of having a difficult time finding anyone to relate to. So uh, some of my friends had divorced parents, um, but they were divorced at a young age Mm -hmm. and other people's parents had been together since the beginning of time. And no one really understood the grief and the confusion that I was walking through being a 20 something year old girl, having my parents come to me and tell me that they were separating. Um, Luckily, both my parents are super awesome and amazing. And they uh, we're sure to involve my sister and I in all of the process and talking through these things with us and walk through that journey with us as well. But still, I felt like I didn't really connect to any of my friends or anyone around me just like relating that way. And I think that as humans, we so seek to be understood and to be heard and to relate to something. We're constantly looking for those people who look like us, talk like us, act like us, dress like us, do the same things that we do. And that's what I was seeking out in those times was like, I was going through this weird, crazy situation and I had no one around me who could connect to me that way and process those things with me. And 
September of last year, my parents actually finalized their divorce, which was when I was on an internship here. And as a child, I believe it's hard to process your parents getting divorced because you're a child and you don't really like understand the depths of relationships and right. those types of things. Mm -hmm. But I feel like also adding on being a grown-up and understanding love and connection and relationships, it's a whole nother level of uh, confusion mm -hmm. and processing and then having to look back on the 20-something years of my life and just kind of like reviewing the things I had faced was just like rewriting my whole childhood, facing the things that I was facing and processing. Like I said earlier, I always loved podcasts. So on a day just like any other day, I was washing my dishes and I was listening to a podcast by John Jorgensen that was released in October and I was listening to it like as soon as it came out because I was Who's super. John Jorgensen? He is a speaker kind of coming to be a pastor type guy okay. in Chicago. He's okay. not super big or anything like that. Okay, he okay. does YouTube, Instagram just kind of those things, but he's Christian and he has his own podcast and I've loved his podcast and just that kind of thing. So I was really excited to see he had released an episode and so I jumped onto it right away and within the first five minutes, I was on the ground in my kitchen sobbing on the floor because in the first five minutes of his podcast, he shared his unique experience of his parents calling him up telling him that they were getting a divorce after 30-something years of marriage. And he, at the time, is in his mid to late 20s. And I had never felt so seen or so understood in my entire life than I did in that moment, being like, I'm facing this weird, confusing situation, and somebody else in the world is facing the exact same thing. But the unfortunate thing was that he lived in Chicago. He's kind of a famous guy and has no idea who I am. And all I ever wanted to do was just like reach out and be like, let's go to coffee and talk about this crazy thing that <laughs> happened to both of us mm -hmm. so that we can relate and that we can process this together. Because time out. Because yes. that's what happens with podcasts. Because I'm not as much of a podcaster as you, <laughs> but the podcasts that I do listen to faithfully, I start feeling like I know these people mm -hmm. and that they know me. And so then it's this weird pretend community that you have. Yes. But it's so encouraging because you're like, oh, yeah, my friends so-and-so on their podcast, right. you know, who I hang out with yes. randomly when I'm folding laundry. Yes. Yeah, so you and – Exactly. I'm like, John, you don't know me, but we're John besties. Jacobs. John Jacobson? Jorgensen. Jorgensen. <laughs> I'm like, we're besties, but you don't know me. It's okay. But look at that God-appointed right. encouragement. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so uh, – as Tara and I were processing uh, what could Remember the Wonders be, I uh, wanted it to be a place where people could share their stories so that if by some wild God chance somebody shared their story in the congregation, another member stood up on the other side of the pew and raised their hand and said, whoa, me too. You guys could actually meet up at Mocha Monkey and process <laughs> these things together because I did not have that opportunity to call him up and be like, hey, let's go meet up down the street to process these things. But creating a space at Trinity that we can share our stories and then we can connect together to just, yeah, be a community like and you said. So cool. And do you think it's done that? I mean, I feel like there are people now that I had no idea some of the ways that God had shown up in their life or the way that God had moved them or encouraged them or their faith had been challenged and grown. And mm -hmm. then getting to hear people that I see at church every Sunday talk about that. It's like, oh, wow. Right. I'm so glad I know this about you. That just, right. 
I don't know. Right. It's encouraging and mm -hmm. helps you feel more like you're coming together as a community. Yeah, and I think it also helps get over that initial awkwardness of meeting someone. I'm the type of person that kind of needs a reason to reach out to somebody. Mm -hmm. So if you can see somebody in the church and you're like, oh man, I listened to their podcast, now you automatically know what they're interested in or just a tiny little piece of their story that you could go up to them and be like, hey, I listened to your podcast and I thought it was so awesome. And boom, you already got your opener to a conversation with each mm -hmm. other kind of thing. So tell us, I didn't ask the question at the beginning, I'm just yes. realizing, but Sarah, yes. how do you know God is real in your life? Um, I know God is real in my life um, through multiple stories that I have gone through and grown from. Um, they all share a little bit of a different lesson and they're kind of different stories all over the place, but I can get into that in a little bit too. But I guess overall, I see God through the unwavering, uncomfortable sense of peace that I felt going through all of these situations. You may have heard Katie and a few other people on the podcast sharing their stories, and they came back to this peace that we feel. And we know that God is a God who passes all human understanding. Um, but the way that I see it is just kind of like this weird, eerie, peaceful feeling that I had that was just like, it was super weird how chill I was when I faced these situations. And it was almost uncomfortable and kind of bizarre to explain to those people around me. So like, as I was going through these situations, I was like, is it okay that like, I'm so chill feeling what I'm feeling right now. And it was just really weird to share those experiences with other people and fear. Okay. So when you say an eerie sense of peace, do you think it's just because it's so unexpected? Yes, yeah. definitely, definitely. And I can jump into that through some of the stories. They're just like weird stories where you'd be like, why are you so chill? And like, why are you just kind of going against all things? So I can jump into that. Um, I have kind of like four specific instances where I like really saw God working. So one of them was running. Another one was starting college or more so selecting my college, okay. which is a story I feel really <laughs> embarrassed and weird and awkward to like talk about because like it is such a weird God thing. And then um, talk a little bit about loss and then about Jeremy's and my story. Um, let's start with running because I think that was the thing that oh, started. How did I know there would be a running <laughs> story in here? Okay. Yes, exactly. And so like by Tara's reaction, you can obviously tell that running is super important in my life and it comes kind of top priority, obviously behind God, but like it's a very important oh, yeah, piece better of... better come behind God. You're a DCE, so <laughs> get that straight. Okay. Yes. So it's very important to me. So from the beginning, I was in eighth grade and we always had to do these like a weird running fitness tests in a class. And we had to run for like seven minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes at a time. And I don't know, thinking back, I'm like, that's probably an eighth grader's worst nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I loved running. I loved the motion of it. I loved everything about it. But I was always like, man, I feel like I could run forever, but my lungs, they just like cannot keep up with me. So I ended up going to the hospital and was diagnosed with exercise induced asthma, which I feel is so ironic because the very thing that brought me peace and joy and that type of thing was the exact same thing that was bringing me down. 
And so going through like this diagnosis with our doctor, um, he was telling me that I would always have to carry my inhaler with me and take it multiple times as I was running just to kind of like keep up with it and keep it going. And I probably shouldn't run long distances because I'd have to take my inhaler like multiple times, that kind of thing. But if you know me, you know that I've since ran cross country and track all throughout high school. I've also ran seven half marathons and two full marathons. And at the beginning of every single race, I've only taken my inhaler like two or three times. Okay. And I've never had to like follow it up through my runs. Like okay, I could run 26 miles yeah. without having to like retake my inhaler. And like the only thing that I can look back on and not be like, oh, just medicine is just so incredible because like, yes, obviously it is. Yeah. But I had all these doctors telling me like, you'll have to retake it at like mile five, mile 10 and so on and so forth. But I was able like by the grace of God to just like take those two puffs and be good to go for the um, rest of the time. Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking I had no idea you had asthma. I mean, yeah. exercise induced asthma. <laughs> yes, you have asthma. But I was thinking, I've never seen you carrying your inhaler around or right. anything like that. And I notice things like that. So anyway, okay, keep going. See, I'm learning things about Sarah that I didn't know before. <laughs> right. And so uh, like going through all that, like sure, I dreamed of just like waking up and being able to uh, go on a run. Like I envy the people who didn't have to like shake their inhaler and take their inhaler in front of all of their friends and around them. And for some reason, that's like super embarrassing to me. Like even Still today, I feel so awkward taking my inhaler oh in front goodness. of a group of people, which is just so silly because it's such a testament to God and how he has worked through my life. And I feel like if I was able to just jump out of bed and go for a 26-mile run, it wouldn't bring as much glory to God as it does now that I have to depend on this other thing and depend on God having my back and giving me the breath in my lungs to be able to continue throughout these things instead right. of it just being kind of a given in your life you have to work towards those things as well hmm. so yeah tell me tell me more so uh selecting my college i was never the type of person to sit down and be like here's my five year goal for my whole life and here's what i'm going to be when i grow up and this is the college that i've dreamed of ever since i was five years old so you picked a college Just based on the dorm is what you're saying and the cafeteria plan no oh okay. actually oh, right. worse okay. than that okay <laughs> so uh, I didn't have a dream college I never really like thought about it my mom was always pressuring me she's like Sarah come on like let's pick a college let's start doing this thing and like sorry to my mom because I just was not that type of girl and actually I went off to camp and I was sitting with this boy at camp not what you think we were just hanging out uh -huh. and he goes hey i'm going to concordia university nebraska you should check it out and i you was followed just like, a boy to college and see that's where i'm saying like it sounds <laughs> bad but it's really not what it was i think god was just like speaking through the sky to be like hey and like we only really ever had that one conversation he was like check out concordia nebraska and i was like okay sounds great sounds good and i did and that's awesome that's where I went. And that kind of connects with like my DCE. I never had a DCE growing up. I grew up in the church, but I never had a church or a youth group big enough to have a DCE. 
And I actually had no idea what a DCE was until I was going through college and I was like, in my DCE classes training to be a DCE? Did I really understand (laughs) what a DCE was? Yeah. Somebody just came up to me while I was helping out with our youth group and they were like, you could be a DCE and get paid to work at church. And I was like, sick. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Like work at church all the time. Like couldn't think of a better thing to do with my life. And so that's what I did. I went to Concordia University, Nebraska, and I studied to be a DCE and I never thought twice about it. And like, this is where you're seeing me connect to that like uncomfortable sense of peace because my mom was like, you should apply to like two or three other colleges, Sarah. And I was like, no, when you know, you know, no, that's okay. I'm just going to go to Concordia and be a DCE and Telling that story, I always just feel so crazy, but like it just so affirms like how in tune I was with God or like how loud God was like screaming Mm -hmm. those things into my life that I was just like, yep, okay, here I go. And I never thought twice about it. And one of our first classes as a DCE student, you have to read through this book where it talks about considering a church career and how people wrestle with like the call of God and this, that, and the other. And I was like, excuse me, people second guess this. And like, it had never crossed my mind to just like sit down and be like, hmm, is this really what I want to do? Like, do they make good money? Do they do this? Do they do that? I was just so firm. I never even thought that other people were considering Mm -hmm. something else. Super weird. like they're trying to have people second guess it. <laughs> Here, read this book. Decide if you actually want to do this. Right. And I just thought it was the weirdest book. I was hmm. like, hmm, okay, well, uh, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And like being here today, yeah, God is working and moving in that. And just like knowing that I come from a background with like not knowing what a DCE is and then being a DCE professional in the real world, how do you so that's connect the dots right. besides God? Right. Where you just definitely know like, God is real in your life, and you you can testify to the fact that you can't explain that. You can't right. explain how what why yeah. that was so clear, right? And why you felt so certain about it. But mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Exactly, um, and that peace continues through a another spot in my college career where there was like darkness and craziness, but I was also feeling peace. And so at one point, I believe it was from like 2018 through 2019, over 11 months, I had lost three people in my family. I had lost my aunt, then my uncle had passed away, and then my grandpa passed away as well three months later. So I had lost three people in my life in 11 months. And then on top of that, that's when like my parents were talking about their separation too. So I was feeling a lot of like darkness and confusion Mm -hmm. and the sadness. But amongst all of the loss with the deaths in my family, I, yes, I felt sad and I cried over it, but I was also very celebratory. Like when I came up to my friends and they were like, Sarah, how are you doing? Like, this is a lot of sadness and a lot of like loss in your life. Where are you at with this? And I was like, I am so ecstatic because I have connections with heaven. These people who have lived their life to be in their dream job are now in their dream job. And like, what is there to be sad about knowing 
that these people lived their entire life to be in heaven are now in heaven doing what they've always wanted to do. And like, that is such a weird twist on like looking at death, but I was just so excited. I heard my grandpa passed away and I was like, that's exactly what he always wanted. All he ever wanted was to be singing praises to God and Mm -hmm. to be talking about God and Mm -hmm. to be in his Bible. So I was like, man just got his dream job. I'm not gonna, you know, like, yes, there was sadness, obviously, because he's not here with us today, but there was also an exceeding amount of joy and celebration that he was off doing what he's always wanted to Eternal do. Eternal perspective. Yeah. It's awesome. The last spot where I see God working in my life or that God is real in my life is through Jeremy and my story. So the whole story is a story for a different day. So I'll kind of like make it short and sweet. The short and sweet version is we had dated a few years ago, then broken up then dated again, and then we broke up, (laughs) and then we were like off for quite a bit, and he told me um, that he would never get back together with me, and for some reason, I was just so unbothered by it. I was just like, okay, but you're going to marry me one day. And like, did you say that or did you just think it? <laughs> I, I was thinking it. And okay, like, okay. I even have written down in my notes, I was like, but like not in a weird stalker way, just like inside <laughs> my head. Good thing you clarified that. I was Thanks. like, hmm, like, that's nice. Like that he says he's never going to get back together with me. But in my head and my heart, I was just so unbothered just being like having this, again, uncomfortable peace like how weird is it to like tell my friends okay yeah jeremy broke up with me for the third time but we're gonna get married that's weird uncomfortable peace that's a roller coaster (laughs) (laughs) exactly and so there was a time where we stopped talking and we were i I guess again came to peace with him saying that he would never get back together with me and i was like okay fine whatever you're lost kind of thing and then eventually god brought us back together in like the most unusual type way and we started talking again and we bettered our relationship just even seeing the way that god worked our stories to come back to each other and then having a position for each one of us here at the church. Try to tell me that something else influenced Mm -hmm. that. Like, I refuse to believe any other narrative besides God intervening and pushing us back together to be stronger and better and partners in ministry as well, both in our passion areas. Like, man couldn't have worked that up if he tried. If I was some crazy soccer girl, I don't think that Mm -hmm. I could have fastened up something as perfect as that so okay so time out because i'm just thinking about all the things that pertain to that right now so number one jeremy's jeremy is here at trinity in the capacity of being worship leader okay i know i'm not gonna get his title exactly right but he's like worship leader (laughs) it stuff for the church and the school you know he does a lot of things but that's not even what he went to school for so there's that piece there's the piece that you guys were getting together or newly engaged probably mm-hmm. around the time that your parents' divorce was becoming right. final. So yep. that's significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a third thing and now I can't remember it. Oh, I know. The third thing is that you weren't exactly sure on where you were going to be because right. when you guys came up here, Jeremy was here in... Um, no, he was in Colorado. Oh, didn't yep. remember that. Yep. So he lived in Colorado and I was actually student teaching down in Memphis, Tennessee. Wait, this is when you guys got together? You were in Memphis and he was in Colorado? Oh, I was in Seward and he was in Colorado okay. when we got back together. Got started it. Dating. Okay, okay. But then trying to figure out where I was going on internship. I was Memphis. He okay. was Colorado. So trying to figure out like, what does life look like after all this kind of thing? 
Yeah. Wow. So how I should I have to ask this because this yes. is the most prominent question in my mind right now. From talk, <laughs> from you talking about your story about having peace that you couldn't explain, especially during the the first part that you're talking about with your parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. How did that affect your preparation for making this huge lifelong commitment to Jeremy to be yeah. married? Yeah. I mean, as you guys were preparing for that, but knowing all that's in the back of your mind, you had to have spent a lot of time with God and with Jeremy talking through that. Definitely. Praying through that. Tell us about that. Definitely. If you will. Um, yeah. And amongst all that, there was also a lot of hard conversations with my parents as well. Mm-hmm. And like seeing both of them hurting and like facing their lost love and me trying to like be excited for my wedding coming up and being like, is this going to bo- re-break your hearts all over again by me having this wedding in the middle of like this divorce? And I've talked to both my parents about this and they're like cool with me sharing whatever I need to share. But yeah, so they both knew that like I had really hard conversations with each one of them to be like, what's going on? And actually at one point, um, Jeremy was talking to both my parents about the idea of proposing to me and getting together with me um, forever. And my dad gave Jeremy a book and he was like, you can marry her as long as you both read this book. It's called The Right One. I don't know exactly who the author is, but if you are single, dating, engaged, married, totally recommend you read it, the right one. And it's just about preparing your heart and the things to look for before you're um, committing your life to somebody forever. And and this, like, it stirred up some bitterness in me. And over Mm. the summers, I lived with my dad at his house. It was just closer to my work that way. And I just looked at him across the table and I was like, dad, how can you go through this divorce thing and give me this book and uh, Mm -hmm. just kind of counteract everything that this book is saying and like really just hard feelings towards it. And uh, he was able like that opened up like a really good big conversation. And he's like, I'm just trying to prepare you for what's coming forward. And so through those conversations with both my parents and through those books that we each read, Jeremy and I had conversations that were probably like way beyond our years. I can guarantee you no other 23 year old, 24 year olds were having the same tough conversations that we were talking about Mm -hmm. with child rearing, how we're going to raise a family, where we're going to live, what kind of house we want to raise our kids in, the type of foods that we'll eat, the budgeting, and like all these other things were just so wise beyond our years because of the things that we had just walked through with my parents. And also just, again, like you were saying, like how could you have this new kindling love come up and then your parents divorcing and like seeing God just like mixing, like everything was set to not work out from the world's point of view but from god's point of view it was these are the perfect conditions Mm -hmm. to rekindle this love and show all of these wise things for you young people to learn about if that makes any sense yeah yeah sounds like you did a lot of your own um premarital counseling or premarital (laughs) kind of preparation because of a lot of that Mm mm-hmm Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, going back to like what the world is telling us, I think that if anyone was of the world, they would have been like, no, obviously you can tell this is bad timing. Mm -hmm. But from God's point of view, he was like, I couldn't think of a better time to do this. Good. And you've now been married, happily married. Yes. For five. What are we on? (laughs) Months, I think. Five months. So this isn't on uh, any sort of a script, but now I'm just Mm also, oh, do you have something else you want to say right now? 
No, not really. At this moment. Okay. So what kinds of things are you looking forward to or expecting mm-hmm. coming up or in the coming years or hoping for in the coming years? Mm-hmm. Um, are you hoping to see God move and grow you and yeah. grow you and Jeremy together? Mm-hmm. Anything in that realm that you'd like to share? Not that I can really think of off the top of my head. I think that I really just want to look back on like the past year of our life and like our life here at Trinity and thank everyone who supported us and pushed us together and cheered for us and rooted us on because I know coming into this, like you said before, Jeremy wasn't trained to lead a band. Jeremy wasn't trained to like fix all the IT things, but you as a congregation took us in with arms wide open and with such grace and patience to welcome both of us in and be like there's a place for you here and we want to grow with you and we want to learn with you and that has been so awesome to see how much we have grown just over the past year i can't imagine how much more trinity is going to continue to feed us with wisdom and peace and patience and grace to continue to learn us and give us the opportunity to share the gospel in our congregation and beyond. And going both ways because I have two two daughters, mm-hmm. another year here. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. I'll have a son also involved <laughs> with youth ministry. But just knowing the impact you have on youth, mm-hmm. both of you, in, in very different ways, just the way that you pour yourselves out and are so humble and willing to learn, willing mm-hmm. to receive feedback. That is such a strength that I see in you, you and in Jeremy, just coming forward going, here's what I'm hoping, here's what, how I wanna serve, Mm-hmm. tell me what I could do differently. Tell me what I could right. do better. Like that's such a servant part mm-hmm. in leadership. And so, so awesome. What a good example for <laughs> our kids. You. So thank you. Yeah, this is great. Um, one more thing I wanted to hit on um, before we end and kind of wrap up is don't I get to say when we wrap up? No, just <laughs> You're kidding. Right. Just kidding. It's You're her right. podcast. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I hit in <laughs> one more thing because in all of this, it kind of sounds like, I have it all together. I grew up in the church. I've been so in tune with like my Bible studies and my devotions and my prayer life that like I can so clearly hear God and hear all of the things he's calling me to do and be obedient in that. But I also want to point out that this is not to say that I was like without a doubt of God or never struggled with anything, didn't struggle with is God real in my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, that's why I put together this podcast. Like how can we have evidence of him and how can we be intentional to seek out this evidence? So that's not to say that I never struggled. I never wrestled with God. I definitely, you can ask my college friends, holy cow, they're the best people in the entire (laughs) world. They can tell you that I struggled. I wrestled with God. I cried so many times over the past few years and with all the things that were going on in my life. But the thing was, God surrounded me with the best friends in the entire world. And that, again, is a whole different God story in its own, the way that he wrapped me up in these girls' arms. And I kind of mentioned it in Dave's podcast with, he was saying, the band of brothers and band of sisters. And uh, how these girls like popped into my life and they took me in arms wide open once again and they wiped away every single tear that I had. They laughed with me, they listened to me and they prayed with me. Like most importantly, they prayed with me and they always pushed me back on to course with God and they went with me every week to survival study. They went with me to church and they went with me to praise and all these other things. And it's so important to have those good godly friendships that can call you out and be like, Sarah, you've been sad for two days. That's enough. Like I know life is tough, but like, 
let's shake it off and remember whose we are because we're more than that and we can keep pushing on in life. And so, yeah, I just wanted to toss that out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So true. The friends that God puts, friends, family, people in your community who can be real with you because Mm -hmm. you have that foundation of knowing the Lord being invested in each other because you know mm-hmm. the good things God has for them to be able to say, this is going to be hard to hear, but I need to tell you something. Right. Or here's what I'm seeing. Do you notice this? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that God's maybe trying to show you a better way? Mm-hmm. Um, those are such valuable relationships. Yes, and definitely. that is one of the places that I think most people can look around in their life mm-hmm. and see God working in their life. And that's cool right. that you brought that up, all the people at college and... Mm-hmm. Hopefully so many more people yet along the path because still so much more of life coming. Mm -hmm. Wow. So um, kind of toward wrapping this up, is there anything as far as like a Bible verse or section of scripture that's really meaningful to you or any kind of songs, anything that you like to point to and say, hey, that is a promise of God Mm -hmm. for me that I cling to or something that resonates with you? Um, To start off with that, I actually want to share a – It's more so of a quote, but also kind of like a piece of advice that I used to set up the outline actually of the podcast script that I send to other people when I say, hey, I'm interested in having you on the podcast. I share this with them. And then this little quote on here that I really, really have come to love. It says, the goal of your story isn't to entertain. It's not to be dramatic or funny, though it may be both. It is to share with your audience the events and experiences that have helped you make you who you are. And that's Andy Stanley. So I thought that was really good. And I feel like a lot of people, they just trying to like spice up their story. And like we were saying at the very beginning, like you don't have to have some dramatic thing that turned your life around. It's just these events in your life that added up to shape you to be who you are. Um, another one, I kind of have a song that I wanted to share out and I'm sure most of us, if we attend Trinity, we know the song. Are you going to sing it? I will absolutely not sing it. come on. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Unlike Jeremy, I actually have no musical talent inside of my body. I don't believe it, but okay. So that's the other Willis. (laughs) Yes. Um, the song is Raise a Hallelujah and I actually heard this song for the very first time on my way home from the hospital after saying goodbye to my grandpa for the last time, I was getting ready to go on a mission trip. So I had to say goodbye to him before he had passed away because he passed away as we were going down on the mission trip. So I said my final goodbye to him. And like, obviously I was bawling my eyes out and driving home and the song came on and I just like wept even harder because wow, the lyrics are just so powerful and it just brings such a big message of even in the middle of absolutely everything, like I'm still going to throw up my hands and raise a hallelujah because you're still good and you're still God in the middle of it all. What powerful timing. Yeah. That's a story. Yeah. So to those poor kids on the mission trip that had to listen to that song 16,000 <laughs> times, sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for hosting. Hopefully this is like your little interview to be on the podcast Mm. next. (laughs) Thanks for making the podcast happen. That requires a lot of knowledge and podcast experience and IT interest. And so, no, this has been such a blessing to our church, I think, and community. I'm all about community. And I think Mm -hmm. any way we can build community among people, 
is great. So thank you. Yeah. This was awesome. Not even painful. Yes. Well, thanks for letting me be here to try to pretend to be a podcast host. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, we hope that you will join us next time or next season. Maybe. Whenever this may happen again. And remember the wonders. 